So I need everyone to just bear with me. <clears throat> I mean, I know a lot of y'all don't watch film and just speak from the fucking hip because you typically don't know what you're talking about. But just just bear with me. I might be all over the place, but just tune in and bear with me. It'll all make sense. And I don't know if this was breaking news to any of y'all. We're not a great football team. Uh, it's just simply we're, we're not a great football team, but we are a competitive enough football team to be in these games and to have chances to win the football games. And that's that's what's so frustrating about this this team, about this coaching staff, and about this organization. We do this shit year in and year out. Under Matt Rule, under Frank Wright, under whoever the fuck. It's always we're close enough to win the football games, and then we just don't have the fucking strength to pull it out. So that that's step number one. Two, I mean, you can go look at the stats, and they're going to tell you one story, but this goes back to watching film. Bryce didn't play a bad game. He um he didn't play a bad game. To me, he just wasn't aggressive enough. And I just noticed that he doesn't have that dog in him that requires you to play in the NFL. Not saying that he's not going to get it or he doesn't have the chance to get it, which I think he does. I just think it's a direct correlation of the soft-ass coach that he has coaching him, a.k.a. Frank Wright. And before I even get on him, let me explain why I, says, why I say he doesn't have that dog in him. It's because the turnover we had in the third quarter, he got hit, he fumbled the ball. Offensive line, sorry as fuck. I'll get on them later. He got hit, fumbled the ball. But I just feel like as a quarterback with the dog in you that I want to see, they go up one point off of that. They go up one point. Cool. If I'm a killer, if I'm a dog, I mean, I'm going back to the sideline like, okay, cool, that's cute. I fucked up. But the game isn't over. Like, you score, you're back on top. I see the way my defense has been playing. I know realistically they can't really do much on us. And so that's when, as a quarterback, you just got to gotta have a short memory, and it just got to be, like Dunk said, he was telling us one day, you got to be damn near delusional to play the game of football. You have to think you're that nigga every fucking play. Every time you step out on the field. It don't matter if you fucked up the play before. You got to be delusional to basically have a short memory and go out and ball the fuck out. And that's something that I didn't see him do. But like I said, that could be a direct correlation of the play calling. And I'm going to go a step further and say Frank Wright needs to be fucking fired. And now I told y'all this, and I keep telling y'all this, I have to tell y'all this week in and week out. When we went through the hiring process, I didn't want Frank Wright. And if you go back and look, I either wanted Sean, Sean Payton, um, even though he ain't doing shit in Denver. I either wanted Sean Payton, uh, bro from the Eagles, or keep Steve Wilkes. Now, I tell y'all this every week. Frank Wright got fired for ESPN analyst. And you know what his job is right now? He's still a fucking ESPN analyst. And it's for a reason, because he couldn't coach what the fuck. So if Frank Wright got fired for him, then what makes you think that I believe he can come and coach my football team? And so, like I said, with Frank Wright, I'm so tired of us having the lead, having no momentum, going in the half, and then week in and week out, we come out at the halftime, 
and don't do shit. Like, we're not aggressive at the halftime. We still call these bullshit play calls, all these screen plays, screen at the screen at the fucking screen. <laughs> and, like, that shit is so frustrating. It's so frustrating. And you can even tell it's frustrating on the quarterback. That's why I don't think y'all really be watching film. Because I, I was watching film today, and you can just tell after a lot of those screen plays, Bryce would just look to the sideline. Like, you know when your nigga do some dumb shit? And you just look at him like, are, are you serious? Like, what the fuck is that? Is exactly how he was looking over at that motherfucker. That's how I know that this play calling, this shit is bullshit. And people will sit there and say, oh, he doesn't trust his quarterback. Oh, he doesn't trust him to throw the ball downfield. Like, that sounds cute to try to prove a point. But in that same breath, that logic is dumb as fuck. Because if you're Frank Wright, you're here to keep a fucking job. You just got hired. You just got fired from your previous job. We just gave you a chance. You're 0-3 at this point. Well, now you're 0-4. But at this point, you're 0-3. So my thing is, if I'm an owner, I don't care if you don't trust your quarterback to throw the ball downfield. You getting fired any fucking way. Because why are you keeping a quarterback in that you don't trust? You're here to win fucking football games. You're not here to babysit. You're not here to, oh... I'm not going to call any deep shots for him. I don't think he's ready for that yet. You're fucking 0-3. You created this all-star coaching staff. You're not going to tell me you don't trust your quarterback when you signed off on him getting drafted number one. You're not going to tell me you don't trust your quarterback when the owner got rid of Steve Wilkes because he wanted another quarterback and brought you in because y'all were probably on the same page with getting Bryce Young. So you're not going to – you can miss me with the bullshit I don't trust my quarterback. So this is why I'm calling these bullshit plays. Like, to me, that's fucking dumb. And everybody can say, oh, Bryce didn't play good. He looked like this. He looked like that. I'll tell you one thing. If you go watch film, the offense damn sure ain't do shit to help him out. Ain't do a bitch-ass thing. That offensive line, I mean, terrible. Terrible. They currently give up the most pressures in the league. Now, before the game even started, you know, I did some research. The Vikings blitz the most out of any team in the NFL. And so, I mean, logically, I would think my head coach would know that. I'm a fucking casual. I know it. So I need to know why the fuck they in my backfield so much. I need to know why my running back, if I see Harrison Smith lined up on the fucking line of scrimmage, what I think he's going to do? It's safe to assume he's coming. And so why I'm going to block on the other side of the fucking field? When it's just a defensive end over there. Does that make any sense or am I dumb? I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know. But that, that's the type of shit that we have to deal with week in and week out. No play calling. The play calling hasn't changed from week one to fucking week four. So you can't sit up here and tell me why Frank Wright still deserves his job. Like, I see no other reason why he still de deserves his job. And so for us to keep putting this product on the field... And then he gets in the press conferences and like, oh, I know it's frustrating for fans. Um, we're going to keep building. We're turning over every stone. You're not doing shit. You're not doing shit because you feed me the same shit week in and week out. And I still see the same exact thing every game. I know that we're going to be in the game. I know it's going to be a point where we're leading the game. But I know at the halftime, it's going to be the exact same results. You're going to come out. You're going to get the ball. You're not going to put no fucking points on the board. And then they're going to come and beat us. 
So the same bullshit week in and week out. That's how I feel about Frank Wright. I need the motherfucker gone. I don't need to see him. I, I really don't even want to see him next week. But if we decide to keep him throughout the season, I don't, I don't need to see him next year. Because I'm looking at an article where they had Robert Sala on the hot seat. They have Sean Payton on the hot seat. They have the coach from the Bears on the hot seat. But Frank Wright is nowhere to be found in that fucking article. And I need to know why. Well, I mean, that's that's hard to follow. <clears throat> um, first thing I would like to say is, is uh, you know, first and foremost, I want to apologize to our viewers and the people that support us and our fan base for, uh, you know, for for being irresponsible with my platform. I want to apologize to our supporters and our fan base for putting our my faith in a coach that, like Terrence said, got fired for ESPN analyst in the middle of the season last year. I want to apologize for going to training camp and not necessarily giving y'all the full story because I guess I still had a bit of faith in Bryce Young and not necessarily Bryce Young as a whole, but just the offense as a whole and, and you know, how I felt as though it would develop. I want to apologize for telling y'all that this would be a top 11 offensive line in the NFL just based on what I saw last year. And that just simply hasn't been the case. Um, I want to apologize for gassing Scott Fitter up like he was something that he clearly is not. Um, I want to apologize for not continuing to bang the drum that Dave Tepper just simply ain't worth a fuck. Uh, you know, it, 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 I want to apologize for, for raising the bar and the expectations, saying that we would have bare minimum 10 wins. Because for whatever reason, I guess, not even for whatever reason, I was extremely misguided by the bullshit that this bullshit organization continues to feed us year in and year out. At some point, if you keep doing the same thing, you keep doing the same thing, and you it keeps yielding the same result, you would think that any logical human being, specifically the one that is a professional at what they do, would make some kind of adjustment. Um... For the past four or five, maybe even six years, I don't know how long Dave Tepper has been the owner of this team. <clears throat> but for the duration of his stint with the Carolina Panthers, he just year in and year out continues to feed us as a fan base the same bullshit. It's very, very clear to me that Dave Tepper values other things more so than seeing this football <coughs> team win. Um... Like I stated last week and the week before that, Dave Tepper has told us on multiple occasions he is not a football guy. So, like I said last go-round, I don't understand why in the fuck he's in on every decision in regards to what's happening with the football team. Why nobody is in place taking care of that shit. And unfortunately, and I say this with all due respect, no, it can't fucking be Nicole. 
Because with again, with all due respect, she don't got no fucking lineage in this shit. So again, I just really want to apologize because I feel as though over the summer I was extremely irresponsible and I think that I was extremely misleading. And, you know, I would just say that my my one excuse would be would uh, is simply based on the fact that I fell for the bullshit the organization fed me. And a lot of us did. A lot of us did. I seen Dunk say the same thing. I seen a couple of other uh, U, uh, Panthers YouTube content creators say the same thing. A lot of us did. But at some point, it just simply becomes unbearable. Like I told y'all, and this is kind of to comment on what you were just saying about Frank Reich. It almost seems to a point now, as I went back and watched film today as well as yesterday, it almost seems to a point now that Frank Reich is trying to prove a point to somebody other than Bryce Young. It almost seems as though I told y'all a month and a half, maybe even two months ago, maybe even all the way back in April, that Frank Reich seemed to be the last one to hop on the Bryce Young train. Do you remember that conversation that we had? And I told you that it seemed as though in his press conference that Frank Reich still wasn't 100% uh, 100% sold on Bryce Young. And it seemed as though he was the last one to join that train. And you remember I went to the draft party and told you I felt the same way? Now it's showing his, his head to me. Because with the game that Bryce Young played on Sunday, and everybody knows if you watch his podcast at all, then you will be able to attest to what I'm about to say. And if you're new, this is how I give it up. Everybody knows that I've been extremely outspoken as well as vocal on Bryce Young and how I felt about him, his performances when we went to training camp, his performances during the preseason, his performance in the regular season up until this point. I came in here today and told my co-host, looked him dead in his eyes, and told him, after I watched film today, I felt as though personally this was the best game Bryce Young has played all season. This is the best that I've looked Bryce Young or I've seen Bryce Young look since he was in Alabama because he didn't even look this sharp to me back in training camp. It's very, very frustrating just because I don't want to drag this shit on and I have a lot of shit to get off my chest, but the same shit over and over and over again is very, very frustrating to see. It is. And then I, I, I see all of these Panthers fans, you know, expressing their frustration on social media and, you know, in my text messages and things of that nature, commenting on the quote-unquote sea of purple that you see on the broadcast. But then, I mean, my question to y'all would be, because I don't, you know, I don't really engage in that shit because that's, that's some other shit. We don't need to worry about what's going on in the stands. We need to worry about the product that we're getting week in and week out on the field. But my question to y'all would be, do y'all blame it? Do y'all blame the people that aren't showing up to Bank of America Stadium? Hold on. Let me make a comment real quick, not to cut you off. But also, y'all that are making those comments, where the fuck are y'all at every Sunday? Y'all worried about the sea of purple that you see in the stands. Oh, it looked like a Vikings home game. But most of y'all don't even come out and support your team. Why would they? It's your fucking team. And that's it. But, 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 Terrence, 
you're absolutely right. But why in the fuck would I continue to spend hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars when I know the owner of this football franchise doesn't even value the team the same way that I do? I mean, that's fine to say, and that although may be true, but you also shouldn't have the com- you shouldn't be commenting on the fact that you see more Vikings fans than Panthers fans if you watch from the crib every Sunday. Like you're not showing up to make a difference. So at that in that same breath, then it shouldn't fucking matter. It's the second home game of the season, and already all hope is gone. Yeah. So, so for I'm, those people, not to cut you off, I'll give it right back to you. But to those people that have that issue, I hate to tell you, but it's only going to get worse. Like that whole Hall of Honor shit, they bringing you know they bringing in three legends uh, to go into the Carolina Panthers Hall of Honor. Hate to tell y'all, but that shit gonna look like a Texas game. It's gonna look like a Texas home game. Especially if they continue to play the way they've been playing. Especially if you continue to see C.J. Stroud ball out the way you've been seeing him ball out. And the reason I'm so vocal about that is because you have people in the Facebook group asking other people, oh, did you watch the game? Like, trying to be funny type shit. Like, oh, did you watch the game? Did you see what I seen? And those people are actually in the stands and you sitting on your fucking couch. Yeah, so... I mean, that, that's the feeling that I have towards the people who have comments about the stadium looking empty or it looks like another team home game. I mean, I understand that everybody is frustrated. I get that. I get that we're not playing a brand of football that we thought we would be playing coming into the season. I mean, I get all of that. But at the same time, keep your comments short-lived if you're not doing nothing to help the situation, in my opinion. Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, we're going we're gonna to dive more into the game just because, like I said, there's a lot of things that I want to go into. But I just want to tell y'all a couple of things. And it, it, these are just going to be kind of broad statements, and we'll dive more into it. Um, the first thing that I want to tell y'all, specifically Terrence, Frank Reich is going nowhere. Um, I think that Frank Reich is, again, another puppet uh, for, for Dave Tepper. I think Frank Wright is an easy target. I think ultimately things come down to your owner. They start at the top. Everybody always says that. Everybody always says that, whether it be a quarterback when he's referring to his offense, whether it be a head coach when he's referring to his team, whether it be a general manager where, um, <clears throat> when he's referencing the team that he's orchestrated, and whether it be an owner when he's referencing the team and the, and the personnel and everything that goes with it. So, Everything starts at the top, so Frank Reich isn't going nowhere. The the staff that he has assembled is going to be what saves him at the end of the day. Um, next thing I want to tell y'all is Brian Burns is about good as gone. Brian Burns is about good as gone. You you listen to the guy talk in the in the, you know after the game, a couple of comments that he made and things of that nature. Saw some posts that he liked. Yeah, on Instagram, Brian Burns is good as gone, so y'all mentally prepare for that. I don't want to hear no bitching, moaning, and complaining about that because ultimately at the end of the day, this franchise has made a a bullshit bed, and unfortunately we have to live with it. We have to lay in it. That is the team, the organization, the fan base, everybody. So I just want y'all to be mentally mentally prepared for that. Um, another thing I want to say is Miles Sanders should no longer be the starting running back for the Carolina Panthers. 
I don't know if his problem is this groin injury that they tried to sweep under the rug and that he tried to say he only dealt with for three days. I don't know if it's just simply because he's a schematical running back or, you know, he's just a, a running back that saw success based on the offensive line he was playing with. But unfortunately, Miles Sanders is not what he's being paid to be. He's not that guy. He's not that guy. So I'm 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 almost fed up. Not even almost. I'm fed up with seeing Miles Sanders get way more, way more fucking reps than Chuba Hubbard. I'm fed up with that. I'm fed up with LaVisca Chenault coming in the game, running the ball one time for seven yards, not touching it again out of the backfield. We saw it this week. We saw it in against New Orleans. Monday night football comes in the game, runs the ball one time for eight yards, doesn't touch it again out of the backfield. So I'm fed up with this shit. I really am. I really am. We're going to go through the stats. We're going to go through. I got a couple of game notes that I want to touch on. But we're going to dive a lot deeper into this shit because there's a lot of things that I'm very, 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 very frustrated with. And obviously, the easy thing to do or the most clickbait thing to do, I guess you could say, is to put it on Bryce Young and for us to sit up here and have an hour-long conversation about Bryce Young. And I won't sit here and lie to y'all and, and say that coming out of the stadium on Sunday, I didn't feel as though it wasn't on him. But as I watched film throughout the week, I realized it wasn't. It wasn't. Bryce Young played his best game of the season Sunday. Now, like Terrence said, he wasn't aggressive enough. He was not. Down the stretch, there were a couple of plays on that last drive that he just simply didn't pull the trigger. I don't know why. I could not tell you why. But I believe that if Bryce Young pulls the trigger on a couple of those passes, we win the football game easily. But I can also circle back and say in the first half, I'm just fucking clueless, excuse the vulgarity, but I'm fucking clueless on why in the fuck we're running something out of passing package and Ian Thomas is our main read. And even if he ain't our main read, I'm confused as fuck as to why Ian Thomas is in on a passing plate in general when you went out of your way this offseason to bring in Hayden Hurst. I'm frustrated as fuck and fed up with seeing Bryce Young fumble the football every time he gets touched. I don't know if his hands are too small. I don't know, you know, I don't know what the fuck it is. I will say that. But that play, when was that? The third quarter? That changed the whole momentum of the game. And again, let's just let's just go through the notes real quick. Did you have something to say? I saw you pick up your phone. Uh yeah. So I was just gonna say, I mean, just the receiver, like the ball hit Ian Thomas dead in his fucking helmet. And I mean, one of the most embarrassing plays I've seen in a long time. Touchdown. Hit him in his helmet. P.I. Yeah. P.I. It was a P.I. But he shouldn't even have been on the fucking field. DJ Chark, I think he had one that hit him in his damn hands. Drop the bitch. And so, in in the circle of that, the circle around on the Bryce situation, like I said, this is one of the games where you didn't really see him overthrowing receivers and stuff like that. He was really on the money. It's just the plays that we're talking about him not being aggressive is, like you said, he didn't pull the trigger on the guys that were wide open that could have got you more yards than versus you throwing to a guy who gets three or four yards versus throwing to a guy who was open to get seven yards, which makes a big difference from converting third and two to, like, third and six. So that that's the problem that I had this week. But 
like with saying that, you can see each game, it looks like he's progressing. Like the first game we seen him just not even I mean, I don't know what the fuck he was doing the first game. I'll be honest. Then the next game looked a little bit better. And then this game, like majority of that shit got out of his system. And so that that's what I can say about him. But I mean, just as an offense as a whole, it just looks so fucking mediocre. Very mediocre and very predictable. Um, 25 or 32 for 204 yards for Bryce Young. Uh, Chuba Hubbard had 14 rushes for 41 yards. Miles Sanders, 13 rushes for 19 yards. Um, Adam Thielen was our leading receiver uh, once again, 33 years old. Seven catches for 76, year, uh, 76 yards. Not only is he 33 years old, but also got stretched, I believe, in the first half, came back and still had to proceed to be your best wide receiver option on the field which is why we've now seen rumors and allegations that the Carolina Panthers are in the market to obtain a wide receiver one. Now, at what cost does that come? We will talk about it a little bit later, but you have no draft capital to go get one of them once. So then we'll have to talk about different trade scenarios and things of that nature. Again, that's coming later on um, in the show. Terrence Marshall Jr., nine catches for 56 yards. DJ Chark had two catches for 28. Again, dropped that, that, slant, that slant pass that I referenced last week against Seattle when I said this shit is cute when, you know, you're going up against a backup cornerback and you get in space and you can do a little tap dance ballet move and get into the end zone or you can catch one over your shoulder. But then on second or third down, Two or three drives later, we got a slant route wide open, second and nine, coming out of halftime, wide open to put us in a third and manageable, a third and two, third and one, third and inches, and he drops it again. We see it again with the drive me and Terrence just referenced. On, at the uh, end goal line situation, Ian Thomas first, DJ Chark once again, Bryce Young put the ball on the money. That shit can't keep happening. And I, ha- I saw it happen again this week, so it was very frustrating. Von Bell led the team with seven tackles. Uh, Jeremy Chin had a hell of a game. Six, ta- six tackles, one TFL, one sack. Frankie Louisville with five. Very, 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 very pedestrian performance from Brian Burns. We'll talk about that a little bit later on as well. For the Vikings, Kirk Ke- Cousins only completed 12 of his 19 passes. 139 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Alexander Madison, 17 carries for 95 yards. Um, Cam Akers, five carries for 40 yards. Once again, once again, this run defense is a fucking problem. This run defense is a fucking problem. I guess, you know, I guess you can say we're making some progression because it's not 150, but it's 135. It's way too fucking much to give up the fucking Alexander Madison with all due respect. Justin Jefferson obviously was their leading receiver. Um, six catches for 85 yards and two touchdowns. Um, Harrison Smith had a, I mean, my God, Harrison Smith, 14 total tackles, three sacks, two TFLs. Jordan Hicks, 13 tackles. And C. Bynum, I'm not sure who that is. Cameron Bynum, their safety had 12 tackles, um, as well as a forced fumble. Time of possession, advantage Carolina, 38 minutes to 21 minutes. Total yards, Vikings 265 to 232. 
Passing yards, 149 to 130. Rushing yards, 135 to 83. We had more first first downs. We had less penalties. We turned the ball over less, um, had more sacks, and had 24 more total plays, 68 to 44. Um, so, I mean, if you just listen to that and you listen to the overall stats, it's just like, where the fuck did things go wrong? My thing is, last week we said, what are the keys to winning the game? It was neutralizing Justin Jefferson. And I know six catches for 85 yards don't sound like it's neutralizing anybody, but considering who the fuck Justin Jefferson is, the best receiver in the game, you will be lucky to hold him under 100 yards in the game. And that's what we did with a fucking cornerback who was signed off the fucking free agent list. Yep. So, I mean, when you do that, you just have to go and win the game. Kirk Cousins had, what, 100 and some yards passing? Yeah, 139, I believe it was. But then we just let them fucking run the ball on us like we were fucking soft as fuck. Yeah. And so. I mean, I have, like, I have some some stuff here that, you know, it, it if you want to know where the game goes wrong, it's, it's simply based on your lack of execution in the red zone. There's no longer third downs. Last year and two years ago was third down conversions. We've done a phenomenal job on both sides of the football on third down. I will say that if we want to take some good out of this season as a whole up until this point, third downs, we've been extremely efficient on both sides of the football. First quarter, we completely dominate. Um, Russian defense still, like I said, looks pedestrian. 26 yards for, for Alexander Madison on his first three touches. That shit is embarrassing to me. Um, we get the P.I. down the field to dunk. Dunk makes up for it. 99-yard pick six. Shout out, shout out, bro. That's game. I ain't gonna lie to you. I'm waiting for that interview. We gonna get it. <laughs> we gonna get it very, very soon. Um, defense forces a three and out. After that, uh, and, and, and really, in my opinion, after we forced that three and out, I think that we had the best offensive drive that I've seen all season. Yeah, I mean, we moved it down the field easily, easily without like without any effort, no cap. And then at the end, like I said, it comes down to this. If you want to know why we lost the game on Sunday, it comes down to lack of execution in the red zone, which then goes to play calling. Because you can only execute as good as the plays that are being called. So when we have Ian Thomas on the fucking field in a goal-to-go situation, when we have Hayden uh, Hayden Hurst on the sideline, that's dumb shit. When we decide on third and goal on multiple occasions – to run a fucking screen pass to Terrace Marshall Jr. When you have LaVisca Chenault on the sideline, as well as DJ Chark, who is a lot faster, that's dumb shit. When you get the ball going into halftime after you force another turnover, right, the, the Minnesota Vikings didn't get the ball back. They drive down the field. They get to about R45, 46, somewhere in that range. Etor Gross Matos. Makes a phenomenal play, pushes it, wins his one on one, pushes his guy into Kirk Cousins, forces a pop fly right to Kamu Grugier Hill. We have a nice return. Then Bryce Young comes back on the field, makes a phenomenal throw to Adam Thielen under duress. We gain about 22, 23 yards, somewhere in that range. We then proceed to go to the fucking line of scrimmage. And then this is when the frustration starts to kick in. We then proceed to go to the line of scrimmage. We have 27 seconds left from from the end of the catch to us sprinting down the field and getting set up. 27 seconds left. 
from the, the time Adam Thielen gets tackled and Frank Reich, for whatever reason, with two timeouts left in the half, decides not to take one, yet decides to make the whole offense sprint down the field, let the time run down from 27 to 12. We finally snap the fucking football, and then Bryce has to make a decision, and it's, and it's unwarranted pressure. It's unwarranted pressure. So then it's like, I do have to look at you, Frank, right? Because, like I said, it's a lack of execution. It's dumb shit, bro. It's dumb shit. Like, how do you not know after getting a big play like that, a, a, a huge momentum swinging play, you have the ability to go up two or three possessions going into halftime. Going into halftime, we had the ability to go up two or three possessions. Now, I will say shout out to Eddie Panera because he did knock the 56-yard field goal through. But, like, why the fuck can't we go score a touchdown? Yeah, I mean, if y'all would have seen me in that moment, that shit had me so fucking mad. That shit had – that sequence of play calling in that instance had me so mad. It, and this is what pisses me off about Frank Wright because then he goes in the press conference. I don't even know if you're going to get to this later, but I got to get this shit off my chest. He goes in the press conference and then proceeds to say, I'm not even sure if it was on this drive. He had a play specifically drawn up for Adam Thielen that only Adam Thielen – it was the play only for Adam Thielen. That shit is then, so fucking dumb. Then he realizes Adam Thielen is out of the game. That shit is so fucking dumb, bro. And so what he say? He had to burn the timeout? Had to burn the timeout, and this was in the second half. And so if that doesn't speak to how fucking dumb the play calling is and how incompetent Frank Wright is at this moment, then I don't know what else you need to hear. I don't. That literally makes no sense. I, I don't. Can someone explain to me how that makes any sense? You had a play call for one receiver, that only that receiver could run that play, from what you said, and then you realize he's out of the game, and so now you got to burn the timeout. It's just a lack of execution, lack of awareness, and a lack of discipline from the fucking head coach, which, which is like pathetic, and and really you can see it disseminating through the rest of the team at this moment. Yeah, I mean, that's just sad as fuck. I never even, if you do that, I've never even heard anybody go on record and say some dumb shit like that. That's something that you almost just need to keep to yourself. You need to keep that to yourself. Because yeah. when I heard that, I mean, when I tell y'all I was driving down 85 and my jaw fucking dropped. <laughs> because imagine me listening under the influence. I don't, just slightly, just slightly, <laughs> and just slightly buzzed because yeah, I just damn near admitted to a felony. So I want to, yeah, I want to retract that statement. I retract that statement. I, I retract that statement. But my whole point is, imagine the fucking amazement that I that I fucking suffered through. When I hear my fucking head coach, and this is why I told, I've been telling y'all the past two or three fucking weeks, and I'm sorry that this week is extremely vulgar. I apologize. But I've been telling y'all the past two or three weeks that this motherfucker seems very, very Matt Rule-esque. I got slaughtered for it on Facebook. I got slaughtered for it on YouTube. I got slaughtered for it on TikTok. I got slaughtered for it in the Instagram DMs. He seems very, very Matt Rule-esque because you coming down the stretch of a fucking game having to burn a timeout because you realize 
that for one, not only do you have a dumbass play call. Yeah, I just know it was going to be dumb as fuck. I mean, if it, if, if the only fucking option on the field and the only option in that specific play is to get the ball to Adam Thielen, this shit is dumb as fuck. Yeah, makes no sense. Not only do you do that, but you have to burn a timeout where – because it goes all the way back down to this. And this is this is why we be wanting y'all to watch film and to pay the fuck attention. Because with him having that mental lapse, with him having to burn that time out, you put your team in a predicament where, okay, cool, we have this rookie quarterback. We understand that there were a couple of shots on his on on the last possession that he didn't take. But you have a rookie quarterback and you put him in a position where it's either fucking score a touchdown. Or it's bust. Because now when we when we stall out in the red zone once again for the third or fourth time in the game, you you have no shot. Because it's what? 130-something left on the clock? And you only have two timeouts? So even when your defense plays well, well enough to get off the field with, for the last possession of the game for the Minnesota Vikings, 90% of the stadium was gone for that. But we stayed and watched it. Even when your defense plays well enough to get off the field, because you have a fucking mental lapse, and because you have, I, I don't even, whatever play that shit is, Frank Reich, Thomas Brown, whoever drew that shit up, take it out of the fucking playbook. You have a play designed for only one, re, only one receiver. That shit is dumb. Because you're telling me that whoever was in for Adam Thielen right there, a, didn't have the ability to run the play. And B, you're not even giving your, your quarterback a chance to read shit. So it, it would have just been number 13 on the list of passes behind the line of scrimmage for Bryce Young. Or it would have been a pick because in that instance, I mean, what other choice do you have than to stare down the fucking receiver that you got to throw the ball to if the play can only go to him? Which then draws me all the way back to week one where I was slaughtering Bryce Young for making the same mistake twice. You remember that when he yeah. threw two picks in a row to Jesse Bates? Yeah. Then I have to go all the way back there and damn near recant my state or retract my statement because I got now I'm now you got me questioning everything. Because if we're doing shit like this, then it's just like, well, I mean shit, how the fuck can I be mad at him for making that read? If he only has one read on the fucking play. Man, it's pathetic. That shit was just dumb, bro. I, I wish I would have never heard that from me Frank too. Wright. That that I I was so fucked up in that moment, and that shit damn near got me back sober. Once I heard that, because I really wanted to crash out. Just dumb, dumb play calling. Another thing, another thing, and you know, if you again, if you're a returning viewer or listener of this podcast, you know that we've mentioned Taylor Moten's name here and there in passing. Because he, you know, for whatever reason, got emotional, got in his feelings during the preseason, turned around and blocked us. I don't know why his name wasn't even mentioned. We did talk about the unit as a whole, but his name wasn't mentioned. But, you know, I, I'm willing to look in the camera right now and tell y'all I just simply don't give a fuck. And I say that because why? Last week, I told y'all that Julian Love should have left fucking MetLife Stadium. Ain't that where Seattle play? Where where does Seattle play, Tavian? Uh, they don't play. In they Met don't play Light. in MetLife. That's New York. Where 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 does Seattle? I don't. Matter of fact, that's neither here nor there. 
Last week I told y'all that Julian Love should, shouldn't have been able to walk out of that fucking stadium. He should have left in the back of a fucking ambulance for the way he did Andy Dalton in that first quarter. Terrence off the record, or excuse me, Terrence off Mike because it wasn't off the record. I, I don't believe that you would have told me anything, and I don't think I would have brought any information off the record to the podcast. Yeah, Terrence off Mike told me that shit. Maybe the O-line just don't fuck with Andy like that. Maybe that's the reason they didn't slide. So, okay, cool. First quarter this week, we got a linebacker coming to crash down, hit Bryce Young late right in the fucking head referee's lap. We don't get a flag. Don't nobody crash. Fourth quarter, hold on. Fourth quarter, third and eight. Bryce skips the pocket, runs for about five or six yards. He's wrapped up. He's going down. He's tackled. The same fucking linebacker comes back and drops his fucking shoulder and forearm into Bryce Young's head, drives it through the fucking turf. That shit had me so Now, hard. why the fuck ain't nobody crashed yet? But y'all worried about what we talk about. Y'all worried about the way we give it up, what, I, what we do for, for content, what we post for reels, but y'all on the field looking like some bitches. Because when the same bitch-ass shit happened to Justin Herbert on the sideline against Vegas... The whole fucking team crashed. I, I mean, bro about got his whole uniform jacked off of him on that. <laughs> the whole line. team crashed. But the only thing I get to see is fucking niggas turning around, standing over them like they some fucking 12-year-old kids trying to figure out what the fuck injury a nigga got. Or like they the fucking athletic trainers. And ain't nobody fucking crashed yet. That's very, and let me calm down because I told myself on the drive up here, that I was going to be calm and I was going to try to use as minimal uh, uh, vocal words as possible. So I'm going to calm down. But that type shit is very, very, very indicative of what kind of football team this currently is. Very, very indicative of what kind of head coach and leader you have. And it's very, very indicative and very telling why, when I came up here two weeks ago and I told y'all that the fucking practice squad nigga from the New Orleans Saints looked me dead in my eyes and said, them niggas sweet. And I told y'all that's the way we're viewed in the league. It's because we allow shit like that to happen. We allow shit like that to happen. Because I can't sit up here and tell y'all when I was under the influence in those stands that I didn't think about going down and rushing the field. I can't sit here and tell y'all that. With a, I, I, no, no, bro, you fucking laughing, but I just want them to realize that I'm so dead-ass serious, bro. Because shit like that just really just don't, it, it just don't sit right with me. And this shit really, really means a lot to me. If you ask a lot of people around me, it probably means too much to me. It's probably part of the reason why I need therapy now. <laughs> like honestly They fucking laughing They laughing like this shit is a joke But I'm really telling y'all the truth So then when I had to deal with When I had to deal with stuff Like being blocked on a social media account By somebody whose name that we didn't even mention But then I see you I, I see your performance And then I see you let your quarterback get stretched Two or three times And you don't crash out I look in the camera and I tell you I don't give a fuck. Because you ain't sliding on shit no way. You ain't sliding on shit no way. I feel safe, nigga. I feel safe, nigga. 
And if any of y'all, and let me tell y'all this too. Let me tell y'all this too. And this, I'm not going to speak for my co-host. I'm not speaking for nobody on my team. None of that shit. I'm talking to me. Nigga, I be in Charlotte and I be outside. I be in the same clubs y'all niggas be at. I be at the same music festivals y'all niggas be at. I know the same niggas y'all know. So if y'all ever got a problem with me, y'all can come chat. And whatever the fuck need to happen, the only thing I ask, just give me my one-on-one if it get like that. That's the only thing I ask. Because y'all be so fucking emotional, but then when it come get when it come get like that, when your quarterback gets stretched twice by the same nigga, ain't nobody crashing. So how the fuck I'm supposed to view you as a man? Because I tell you what, it couldn't be my quarterback. It couldn't be my quarterback. Because there was a couple of times niggas tried holding nailers in Hollywood Crossroads and shit ain't end up too fucking sweet. That shit documented. Y'all can look me up, nigga. That shit documented. So don't think I'm just on this podcast just chatting, nigga. My shit documented. Very indicative of of, of this team. It's just a lot of soft shit. It's a lot of soft shit. It is. Let's just go to the next fucking topic. What would you grade Bryce Young's performance on a scale of one to five? And did the game on Sunday change your stance at all that it's the play caller more so than it is Bryce Young? Uh, scale to one to five, I'm going to say... I'm going to say a four. And the reason that I say a four is because the throws that he – that I felt like he needed to make to change the outcome of the game, he didn't make. And I, I said it earlier in the pod, it's not like that the throws were incomplete. I think he just went to the wrong receiver. I think he just went to the wrong receiver, didn't get as many yards as we, we needed, and didn't put us in a position to have third and manageable. Instead, it's like third and six, third and seven. But, I mean, you can go look at his completion percentage, 25 for 32. I mean, that's damn near 80%. I don't like it. I don't like I don't like that because the, the completion percentage is very misleading. Yeah, because half of the passes were behind the line of scrimmage. Right. But right. the thing is, it's like you got you to gotta go for what the fuck is out there. Like you gotta you gotta do what the fuck is called. If if my coach call a screen pass, I'm not gonna throw the bitch down the field. So I mean, either way, I say that, and then the only other reason is because he gave the ball up that led to a touchdown. Yeah. And then we couldn't come back out and capitalize off of that, which that kind of killed the momentum at that moment. And being that the team that we have, which I mean, he's a rookie quarterback, so it's, I don't know if I expect him to pick up on this. But being the team that we have, that's not a uh, that's not a momentum shift that we can have and then come back and bounce back from. After what we've seen throughout the first three games of the season, we know that's not in our DNA because our coaches is soft as shit. You got players on the team that's soft as shit. So when you have crucial turnovers like that, even though it's in the third quarter, that can be something that can very much well cost you the game. 
even though that sounds crazy as fuck, because it sounds crazy for me to say it, that they go up by one point in the third quarter and then we lose all hope, even though we still got an extra 15 minutes of football to play. Yeah, that's like, I mean, that's a problem. Yeah, that, that sounds crazy. But that's just the reality of the situation that it is with this team. So that's why I say that that was a costly turnover, in which I feel like with other quarterbacks and other teams, it wouldn't have been because you still got a lot of fucking game left. But that goes down to the soft-ass coaching that we have. And what what was the other question? You, I, I mean, you pretty much just answered direct it. Direct correlation it, of the play calling? <clears throat> yeah, yeah, is it more so – is it more play calling or is it more Bryce Young? Because I only, I only ask that question and present that question because I think that is very – you know, I think – the first 10, 15 minutes that I spoke, I believe that they should know. And I think that you know, like I told you when I came in here, after I watched film, I thought Sunday was Bryce Young's best game. But I see a lot of people still trying to throw shit on Bryce. And if you're only watching the game from a broadcast perspective and you're only watching the game one time, I can see why you would have that stance. But as you dive deeper into it, I don't think that that's necessarily the case. So I just wanted to ask you just so you could add some context and your opinion on that specific question. Is it more so the play calling or is it Bryce Young? And I'm going to say it's more so the play calling. That's the stance that I've had since the season has started. Obviously, I'll say Bryce hasn't looked like the number one pick. That's C.J. Stroud. He's been balling out. You can go look at the numbers. You can go look at his play. He's looked like the number one pick. But I will also say that our coaches haven't put Bryce – in a position to necessarily play up to his potential at this point. And if you just look at the game on TV with the shitty-ass announcers, and then you just go on Facebook, go on Instagram, go wherever the fuck, go on Twitter, and then make a post like, oh, Bryce Young play ass. It's like, no, at that point, I can't even take what you're saying into consideration because he just told you coming out of the stadium – he damn near wanted to crucify Bryce. That's all he told me and Zach. Wait till I get on the podcast. Wait till I get on the podcast. I'm going to air his ass out. But it, it took you to actually go and watch film a few times to actually see what the fuck needed to be, what was the real correlation of how the game turned out. And it's a direct correlation of the play calling. It's no way that I should be calling that many screen passes and continue to call that many screen passes when we're down in the ball game. It's no reason why Miles Sanders should still be getting 13 touches even though he can only rush the bitch for 19 yards. And the other guy gets 14 touches and goes for 41. That's a significant problem. Yeah. Like, I, like honestly, I don't want to cut you off because I want you to maintain your train of thought. But the way Miles Sanders has looked this season is a significant problem. Like, honestly. Because you went out during the offseason and signed him to a four-year deal. That's a significant problem that your 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 fourth year running back that had no hype at all coming into the season looks a lot better in every aspect of the game than the guy that you decided to sign to a four year twenty five and a half million dollar contract. That's a problem. That's an issue. But go ahead, continue. My apologies. Nah, you good. And so that's. That all comes down to the play caller and the coaching because there's no logical reason why Miles Sanders should still be getting the same amount of touches as Chuba Hubbard. When you can clearly see Chuba runs the ball better, he hits the holes harder, 
He has better vision. And he simply makes your team look like a different football team from an offensive perspective when he gets the ball. And so there's no reason why, based off of what I've seen from the past two weeks, Truba should be getting bare minimum 20 touches. Miles Sanders' touches needs to be cut in fucking half significantly. And so that all goes back to if a team know you can't run the fucking ball, I mean, all you're going to do is pass the ball. It's easier to game plan against that. Like, you don't have a fucking running game. So I'm going to put pressure on, on your quarterback. I'm going to send a blitz every fucking play. And I'm going to force your receivers to get open as quick as possible and force your quarterback to make a decision. And once that can't happen, then as our coaches have been doing, we don't know how to game plan against what the fuck they're doing, so we're going to go to screen passes. And that's what happened. So, yes, it, it's a direct correlation to the play calling. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree. I mean, when you look at it, everybody around us that was at the game all Sunday echoed the same sentiment. The play calling is bullshit. It's very, very predictable. Um, it's bad. I mean, I'm not, I, I was going to try and, you know, sugarcoat it and tell y'all something that is, you know, it, there's really no other way to put it with the exception of it's bad. It's bad. When you look at what we did on first down against the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday, we rushed the ball 13 times for 26 total yards. Now, this has been the story of, you know, really of our whole season up until this point is that on first down, we're running the ball. It's going to either be an inside zone or an ISO or some some very, very basic run play where we just tell our running back to put your head down and damn near get CTE because everybody is on it. Over the last three weeks, the Panthers have ran the ball on first down 31 times for just 55 yards. That's 1.7 yards per carry. That If that doesn't tell you that something got to change, then, then you probably shouldn't be a coach in the NFL. And or not, a play caller. Not to cut you, you off. I don't. I hate to say this, but at this certain point, it's leading me to think: is this a deuce problem, or is this a direct correlation to the offensive line just being shitty? Because I like Deuce Staley. I like the energy that he brings to practice. I like the way that it seems like the way that he coaches his players and how he expects the best out of them and how he tries to pull the most out of them, but. I mean, when you go and pull up a stat like that and he's my running back coach, then I got to start thinking different. And to go along to that point with that question, um, I don't know how much validity is to be given to this particular statement, but I I heard that Deuce Staley had the, had the, has the benefit to decide what running back is on the field for what play. So then we would have to go back to the conversation that we just had two and a half minutes ago as far as the uh, low distribution. Because if Deuce Staley is the one that keeps putting Miles Sanders on the field, then we have to look at it even deeper and darker because if you remember, Miles Sanders said the only reason he came to Carolina was because of Deuce Staley. Yeah, that's his guy. And if all of that, like this is all speculation – but, I mean, based off of the shit that you can see and the stats that are presented, 
it seems like that could be the case. But also, if that is the case, then it almost feels like sabotage. Damn near. <laughs> Damn near. It feels like daddy ball. Yeah, because why the fuck? If I know you're not doing shit, like, obviously, we can see that from a, a, a fan perspective, from the stat sheet, from actually watching the games, watching film, we can see that one running back is way superior than the other running back. But this other running back continues to to get the same amount of carries. And I don't know why in the fuck Raheem Blackshear hasn't been active the whole season. Yeah. That's very uh, that's very puzzling to me. That's very, very puzzling to me. What do, what do you got? I was just going to say, I, I do believe uh, somebody on the podcast, key to victory last week, was uh, get Chuba Hubbard, you know, let Chuba Hubbard take over as the RB1. Was that? That was, I think that that, that was, was a agreed was upon. Yeah, I was about oh, yeah, to say, I was about to say, I think that was agreed yeah, upon yeah. amongst the whole staff, but okay, cool. Would you want credit for that? Yeah, I, I just wanted to pat myself on the back right I here. mean, <laughs> and we've we been saying that. I was about to say, we've been saying that for three fucking weeks. And they only gave Miles Sanders, and they only gave Chuba one more carry than Miles Sanders, which I don't I don't understand that. It's politicking, man. Money is involved. Too much money is wrapped up in Miles Sanders right now. So, you right. know, Scott Fitterer feels like he has to prove a point in being that he made the right decision in bringing in Miles Sanders. Well, that's but, the problem with this organization. Everybody feels like they got to prove a point. I mean, the real problem is they've just made a bunch of bad bets. That's what it looks like. It does look. They made a bunch of bad bets that niggas yep. got to live with for the next three to four seasons. Yep. And that's what it looks like. You're absolutely right. Because, I I, I mean, I'll just be, you know, as we've drifted, drifted off into this conversation, I'll be honest with you. I mean, I came, I, I came out of training camp, I believe, day two when we were there, and I told y'all to watch out for – Raheem Blackshear potentially taking that RP or uh, RB two job, and I I mean I was very adamant about that, and in that moment I really really did believe that. Just he, based he looked on, the part. Yeah, he 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 definitely did. He looked very very good, um, and Chuba really hadn't shown me anything in training camp. However, I think Chuba Hubbard this off season and up until this point in the season has improved his game significantly. The knock on Chuba Hubbard has been the fact that he can't catch the football. He's a one-cut back. You know, he's not really going to do anything spectacular. He's more of a north-south than the east and west jittery type back. I'm going to be honest with y'all. Right now, if we're just looking based on results and what I've seen this season, Tuba Hubbard looks like a, a better pure running back than Miles Sanders. He does. He looks faster. He looks quicker. He looks more physical. He, he can, run, he can uh, pass block better. And he's catching the football better. He is. In every aspect of the running back position, Chuba Hubbard is outperforming Miles Sanders. So transparently, I don't know what I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's happening. But again, it it gives you cause for pause because it's like, okay, cool. Well, we already heard Miles Sanders say the only reason he came here was because of this guy. And this guy allegedly has the ability to dictate what personnel is on the field when certain plays are called. We don't have time, nor are we in a position to have a fucking circle jerk in a kumbaya. I hate to tell y'all. Miles, it ain't shit personal, bit, bro. I promise you. I fuck with the nigga. I, I, I rocked his jersey on Sunday. Did I not? Yeah. I fuck with bro. But right now, he just simply doesn't have it, and he does not give us the best chance to win. 
whole whole lot of nepotism going on. It's uh, it, it continued to look like bullshit. Sorry, I just had to throw that in there because <laughs> I just seen some bullshit earlier today, and I mean, damn. Well, it's not just him; it's the offensive line as a whole. I know you wanted to touch on that, so go ahead and get in your bag. Well, yeah, I mean, the offensive line, like. It ain't even a nice way to say this. Y'all suck. I'll be honest. Like, that shit is, is so embarrassing. Like, it's so embarrassing. And I'm trying to find this stat. How many blocks are we up to on that offensive line, player-wise? One? All I just know. One. Yeah, just one so far. I think we should make it five this episode. I don't, I'm don't. i not going to lie to you. I don't know how, how uh, Icky hasn't blocked this yet, but it's okay. <laughs> yeah, because I mean. He might after this. And I'm going to Chandler Zavala. I mean, I know you a rookie, bro. I know you a fucking rookie. But he's giving up the most pressures on the fucking team. He's giving up 28 alone. And he had 14 in the Seattle game, which is more than. Anybody else on the team has had, and yeah, I told him today. It's that's not, your boy. Yeah, it's that's the your league. boy. It's not just. It's so bad that it's not just the team. It's the league in the fucking league. He has double the amount of pressures allowed in the league, and as a whole, we've given given up the most pressures in the league. So you wonder why Bryce looked like shit. If you wonder why he looked like shit, he ain't got no motherfucking time. And I told y'all this, but that's your boy. So you address him. I mean, what would you like me to say? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> say something. Shit. Well, I mean, the simple fact of the matter is the offensive line as a whole has looked terrible. I mean, I was going to say subpar, but that wouldn't even be doing it justice. That that I mean, that would be my stance. It starts at the at the helm with Bradley Bozeman right in the middle. Bradley Bozeman has not looked deserving of the contract that we signed him to this year. If y'all remember, I've mentioned this multiple times, but if y'all go all the way back to eight, nine months ago, priority number 1B for me was to sign Bradley Bozeman and extend him. He hasn't looked deserving of that at all. Taylor Moten is supposed to be the veteran presence on this team, or excuse me, on that unit, in that unit, in that room. He simply has not. Multiple penalties against Seattle. Got beat multiple times this week. He looks subpar. He does. And nothing makes me believe that Austin Corbett is going to come back and the shit is just going to look completely different. Yeah, I mean, I just don't believe that either. Because guys as an individual have to be better. It yep. has to be better. Yep, and that, and I was going there next. Because, I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to give Chandler his too. I'm going to give Chandler his too. Because I, I gassed the nigga. I did. <laughs> I did. I mean, what do y'all want me to say? I, I, I mean, everything that I say regarding the Carolina Panthers is documented. So I, I don't have no choice but to stand right the fuck in front of it. But Chandler Zavala has looked like pure bullshit. He has. He looks like a, he, he looked like a little fucking kid playing with a lot of grown men. And every single week, he continues to get absolutely abused. Nothing short of it. And his mentor at the left tackle position has potentially regressed the most that I've ever seen in my adult life. Matter of fact, Fuck adult life. The most that I've ever seen in my life as a whole. I've never seen a player go from being damn near Pro Bowl, having a very, very, very solid rookie season, all the way to being damn near one of the worst players on the unit. And not only being one of the worst players on the unit, but being 
the worst player on one of the worst, actually not one of the worst, the worst unit in the NFL. I've never seen it. Embarrassing. It, it really is. It really is. And it's damn near like a lack of effort. So I don't even really want to spend too much time on this because I'm an error. Yeah, because there's no way that you go from what you looked like last year to looking like this this year. When all looking you like had pure shit. When all you had is fucking time to get better. And it's no way that one man is causing that whole unit to look like bullshit. And to be quite honest with you, like the reason why I said it's an effort thing is because the last offensive play of the game that we had, the sack came from Icky. And it was a simple one-on-one. The, the, the edge rusher did nothing spectacular. He didn't make no type crazy fucking move. He ain't, I mean, the bitch ain't Micah. Didn't do shit out of the ordinary. And Icky just gets absolutely dicked. <laughs> I mean, I lied to you not. I went back today when I was watching film on the All-22, and I spent, like, legitimately 10 fucking minutes. Five minutes between each angle just watching that one play. And he just got fucking dicked. Didn't get deep enough in his drop step. Didn't get his hand placement correct. Had a pussy-ass punch on the initial stab. Just whole shit. And it stemmed from effort. And then he, what pisses me off, he continues to look back like, oh, what the fuck just happened? Your man Hold on top of your fucking quarterback, nigga. I mean, That's what the fuck happened. <laughs> the nigga is on top of your fucking quarterback. I mean, grab him. Fucking horse collar him something. Show me you want to be a part of this unit still. Show me you want to be in the NFL. Because, I mean, at this rate, goddamn Icky Aquano will be out of the league in four or five years. But that's a story for a lot of niggas on our team. I'll be honest. But that's a deeper, darker conversation. Because then we have to look at Scott Fitter. The the same nigga that, I mean... (laughs) 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 I mean... The way I was sucking his dick this offseason. <laughs> it was I damn mean, near illegal. I mean, my <laughs> God. That bruise just went away, didn't it? And I mean, <laughs> shit. I told I, I came in here and told y'all it was everybody else's fault in the organization but his. But I mean, damn. This is the best we could put together? Did he want to talk about he in on every deal? This and that, X, Y, Z. Then he want to go get Bryce. And I already told y'all how I'm feeling about Bryce this week, so I'm chilling on bro. But then he really wanted to go out and get Bryce. I believe he was one of the, the front men for that, for that push. I already told y'all I didn't think Frank Wright was fucking with it. I said that when I watched the blueprint. I said that when I watched his press conference directly after, directly after the pick was made. I said that I felt like Frank Wright was the last one on the train, and I felt like he didn't want the nigga. Then I got to sit here and look at Scott Fitterer, make the decision to go Bryce Young, and then I got to go look about five or 600 miles west to, to what they doing in Houston. And he ain't doing shit but putting on a show week in and week out. And Indy. Who? Indianapolis. Who? Steve Wilkes got let go because he wanted allegedly, 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 y'all, y'all let Steve Wilkes go 
because y'all quote unquote were an offensive minded quarterback and y'all didn't want Anthony Richardson. I don't know, dog. So I mean, I think that's a perfect segue into is it Bryce? Is Bryce Young the problem? Or is it the things surrounding Bryce Young? Or are they both the problem? I think, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll jump in here real quick because, I mean, we spent some time on, you know, was it Bryce in the play calling and things of that nature. I will say I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's a little bit of both because, like I said, there were there was a lot of, there were a lot of missed opportunities and a lot of plays that should have been made. If we go back and look at that last offensive possession specifically or particularly, um, there was a there was one where we had trips at the top of the screen. If you watch the broadcast, um, we had trips. We ran a uh, we had the two inside guys run run goals, and we had a, the outside guy come right underneath them for about a fifteen yard gain or so, maybe a little bit less. But he was wide open and looked like Bryce dropped back the pass, looked at the guy in his direction. Now, you had a linebacker in the middle of the field, but the way that how open he was, if you just throw it to the sideline shoulder, there's no threat of that ball being turned over at all. You don't even have to really do all of that. If you just put it right on his chest, it's still going to be a significant game. So that was one missed opportunity. Another one where Adam Thielen in the slot, Frank Reich did a hell of a job on this particular play call where he ran a double move and I was damn near fucking nutting myself. In the fucking in the five hundred section, with how beautiful he ran the route, and I told Terrence, "Bro, he's wide open. He's wide open. He's wide open," and and the ball wasn't delivered. It then turned into a sack. So it, it, there's a lot of those type plays, I will say, and then obviously you have the problem of every time he's getting hit, you know, with any amount of force he's giving the football up. But then you also look on the other side of things and see when we see the when we see the passing chart, we say we see 12, 13 passes behind the line of scrimmage. So I think if I mean if I'm just giving a more direct answer, I'd say it's a little bit of both. Yeah. Uh, I would have to say that. <clears throat> I would have to say the same thing. Um and it, it's frustrating because you and this a lot of people might not agree with me on this, but Initially, um, and J.J., this going to make him happy as fuck. When we found out we was getting the number one pick, the first person I said was C.J. Stroud. And then as we got further along in the process, you started to go and look at some film, um, just look at a lot of the things that they showed us. Like throughout the draft process, Bryce looked like the number one pick. And so – I don't necessarily think that we could have made the wrong choice. I'll say that. But you also can't necessarily sit there and go, oh, the the franchise, like, they purposely made the wrong choice or some shit. Because a lot of of the analysts have Bryce as the number one pick. So it's not like they completely just picked him without any kind of knowledge or was just a bonehead pick. It wasn't a bad decision. Yeah. It wasn't I think that if you went one of the three, I don't think either one of the three would have been a bad decision. I think both of them or excuse me, I think all three of them have the the opportunity to change the the trajectory of your franchise. 
Yeah, and it's just like the look of the draw that the Carolina Panthers always have. It seems like we pick the guy who's a little more slower in his prog- <laughs> in his in his progression than the other two quarterbacks. Um, because like I, like I just said, I don't think Bryce is playing like the number one pick. Obviously, I mean it, it's it's pretty obvious when you look and see what C.J. Stroud has been doing. But I, I'm also not out on Bryce. Like I do think that he has to he has the ability and he will eventually get to that point to where we see why we drafted him number one. But I think that the hype that we had around the offseason, the hype we had around the pieces that we went and picked up, the all star quote unquote coaching staff, you would have liked to seen a quarterback that you drafted number one to get in that system and be picking it up as quick as C.J. Stroud is picking it up in Houston. So I think that that is the problem with Bryce. But then I also don't think the play calling that we have now is helping the shit out. Like, you're not even putting him in a position to fucking progress. And so I, I think that it it is both. What is, I mean, Tavian, what is your stance on it? I mean, for me, it's I, I just haven't seen a regression – quite as like drastic I mean I know we just talked about Ick but like for Bryce Young he was supposed to have been like a quick processor he was supposed to be very intelligent that was what was supposedly giving him the edge over CJ Stroud I mean CJ Stroud was supposed to be stupid that's why his draft stock almost like plummeted days before the draft Um, and now you go out and you see CJ Stroud making phenomenal reads you see him putting the ball right on the money you see him standing in the pocket with pressure I mean, barreling down, his feet aren't even planted. I mean, he just has a very awkward throwing motion and still puts it right on the money to Nico Collins, who then runs it in for a touchdown. I mean, you just see him making so many plays. And in addition to that, you see Anthony Richardson. I mean, I watched the game where Anthony Richardson is dueling Matt Stafford, a Super Bowl champion, down to the wire, a team down by eight points with four minutes left, and he leads the troops down the field, scores, and then converts the two-point conversion. Now the Colts gave it up ultimately in overtime, but that was on defense because Puka Nakua you know, walk-off touchdown. but And unfortunately for Bryce Young, his career will forever be tied to those three because – or for, to those other two because of what the Panthers gave up to go up to that number one slot and ultimately deciding to select Bryce Young over those two other guys. It's just I, – I, but realistically, I don't think either any of the three are really, would have really prospered in this system that Carolina has right now. There's just too many deficiencies all over the field to, uh, unfortunately, for Bryce get an accurate reading of how good he can be. Yeah. And, and, go ahead. Go. And, and that's why I don't think, like, it's necessarily a regression. I think that a lot of it is different than what he was used to in Alabama. And then, like you said the other day, that or I don't know who I was having an argument with, the talent of players that he was surrounded by in Alabama – like, so I don't think it's necessarily a regression. I think when you used to gold so much in your life and then you get to a point where you're presented with shit, like, <laughs> I think it's going to look a lot different, like, honestly. So I don't think it's a regression. I just think, like, maybe those guys might have been a little more mature in their process already. And they, like, C.J. Stroud, he had a good team in, at Ohio State. Obviously, I don't think they were as good of a team as Alabama. So, those guys maybe were already getting it out of the mud. 
like Anthony Richardson, he didn't. Florida doesn't have the caliber players that Ohio State and Alabama have. So maybe he was already thrown to the wolves early, and he just knows how to. Like Bryce is just now getting used to that, which is slower than we would hope it would have been. I mean, even that though is sad because Anthony Richardson only played like twelve games in college. I mean, he played one season. So there's no you're not tell you're not going to sit here and convince me that he's had more experience in shit situations than Bryce Young when Bryce Young has seen way 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 more football. That doesn't mean just because he's seen way more football that he's not that Anthony Richardson has not been in more shit situations. He's seen but he shouldn't be further along in his progression than Bryce Young. That's he's what I'm seen he's seen but that's not the point that I was making. He he's seen Bryce Young has seen great football in his how many years he was at Alabama. Anthony Richardson has seen fucking Florida dog shit. Not really dog shit, but not on the level of Alabama. So I'm just saying that, like, he, he's already, like, been in that fire to where, you know, you're not going to always be playing with the best talent. Like, everybody on the field is not going to always measure up to you. Which Bryce Young, you can go and pick out multiple different players on that Alabama team who – are NFL-worthy, draft-ready, and Anthony Richardson just wasn't presented with the same shit, so he like, I already know how I got to get it out of the mud. And, I mean, to be honest, to go along with that point, I would make the argument that <clears throat> Anthony Richardson came into a better situation just simply based on the fact that he had Michael Pittman to throw the football to. Like He had a true number one. And I would even make a go even a step further and say that the offensive line of the Indianapolis Colts is a little bit better than the one that the Carolina Panthers currently have. So, I mean, I don't think that regression. I don't think regression was the right terminology because I I, I mean I won't say progression or regression for rookie quarterbacks just because these niggas ain't playing on the NFL level. So like we've seen on numerous occasions that. That college shit just simply don't transfer over to the NFL. Yeah. So I wouldn't say necessarily a regression, but I do understand where you're coming from. And like you said, it's very, very unfortunate that he will be tied to these names for the rest of his of his career. And it's going to be very difficult for him. Because I know for a fact that Bryce Young is hearing and seeing some of these things that are being said in regards to him in regards to this quarterback draft class. So, I mean, it is unfortunate. It is unfortunate. But at the same time, this is the life that you chose, bro. It is. So when I have one of them weeks or one of them days where Bryce simply ain't living up to the standard that that was set when the Carolina Panthers selected his name on April 27, 2023, when he's not living up to that, unfortunately, he's going to get aired. It's just that simple. You're going to get aired when you have a quarterback in Houston that is playing a lot better than you, that you were drafted before. You're going to get aired when you have a quarterback in Indianapolis that is seeing a lot more success than you, that you were drafted before. It's unfortunate, but that's the reality of the business. So the expectations for Bryce Young were extremely high this year. Now, I came on this podcast and apologized for, to our fan base for being a tad bit irresponsible. But at the same time, the organization made me feel as though the only thing we had to do was drop a quarterback into this shit that was halfway competent, and we had a playoff-ready football team. And that just simply has not been the case. 
and to some degree, I have to look at the quarterback that was selected because they told me the only thing we needed was a quarterback that was half, halfway competent. So if that's the case, then, yeah, I do have to look at Bryce Young. And Bryce Young has to look at himself in the mirror and realize, okay, either I'm going to drop my nuts or I'm not. Totally kind of totally off topic. But I will tell you one of the things that's really pissing me off about Bryce Young. And this is going to be some small JJ shit. <laughs> I already <laughs> know Terrence, where this is going. And is going to hate it's, this it's shit. It's a bullshit statement. It's not ahead. a bullshit statement. It's not a bullshit <laughs> statement. Because you want me to tell you why? <clears throat> Draft combine happens, right? We get the number one pick. Draft combine happens. Do you remember we, ha- we were having a conversation? I don't know if it was on Instagram Live or if it was on this podcast. Do you remember we had a conversation and I told you that to me, Bryce Young knows that he's small and he knows that people look at him like he's small when he was walking around with fucking hokers on. That's the same way that I feel about every single time he goes into a press conference and he leaves his fucking pads on. It's not. It's not, bro. It's not because it's showing me that you're not confident in yourself. And how can you be a starting quarterback in the NFL if you're not confident in yourself? I think you're reaching. I'm not. I'm not I, reaching. I, I think you're reaching. Like, not, it's not a reach, bro. I'm telling you. That's how I'm telling you. That's how it comes off to me. It yeah. seems like you're not confident in yourself. You're not confident in your ability. You're not confident in your stature. You're not confident in who you are. So you're going to try and mask that. So every time you go to the to the podium after the game, you still have all your fucking pads on and all your gear on. That's what that shit tells me. That's what that shit looks like to me. I feel bad that it tells you that kind of story because I, I literally don't think it tells anybody else that kind of story just because. But everybody would, else don't don't think the way I it do. Would, yeah, I mean, and I, that's why I said I feel bad that it tells you that kind of story because I don't understand why he would think of it that way when the whole fucking world has seen him with his fucking pads off. Throughout the whole offseason, throughout the whole training camp, we've been face-to-face with the little-ass bitch so it ain't no way he going to convince us that I'm going to go and wear my pads in the press conference a little bigger. We've all we've all seen we've that all may seen be true. we've all seen you without your pads on. But but have you seen Bryce Young after a loss without his pads on when he goes into a press conference? I don't do you, know. Do you I, not think that Bryce Young knows his niggas like here out out here like Tavian that are going to make snarky comments like maybe it's just cuz the little bitch can't see over the line? Do you not think that he he doesn't hear that? His pads are his pads are not gonna make him see over the line. Like if you're short, you're short. Your pads doesn't have anything it's to do. It's the illusion of it. No. It's the illusion of it. We already know how deep this nigga brain is. His daddy a fucking psychologist or whoever the fuck <laughs> in that household is. So what, what what would make you think that he'll let you pull some shit out of your ass like that to get some shit off that easy against him? If his dad a fucking psychologist. That I'm gonna go to the podium with my me, fucking pads on because I'm tell too you why? short. You want me to tell you why? Because I think he's soft as fuck. Well, I mean... I think that's why. I think he's soft as fuck. That could be true and still not make any sense of why I would wear my pads to the podium. I I just broke it down for you. Yeah, and it it's made... A, it's an insecurity thing. And it made no sense. It's an insecurity thing. If you if you if if every single week you go on the field and you look like a low-ass boy, you look like a low-ass boy in your plate and your stature, at some point that shit going to fuck with your confidence and your mentality. No, I, I disagree. That's a yes. I, I would think that you telling me it's a yes, but you told me that's what it comes off to you. It don't come off to me like that. 
I would think if anything. So why the fuck that, he keep putting his guy? Why, why he keep having his pads on the, and, on the podium? And if anything, I would go wear my fucking hokas in the press conference. I'll wear my big ass cleats in the press conference. Well, he's I'm not doing going, that too. I'm not going. <laughs> he's doing that so too. So you've seen his he's feet? He's still fully. Yes, nigga, you can yeah, see yeah, him when he yeah, walk yeah, out. Yeah, on, yeah, Twitter, yeah. on Twitter, when they go live, you can see these niggas when they walk out. Like I said. I done seen that like, door that they come out of many a times. Yes, I like, see this nigga like, like I still said, in all pads it, with the exception of his helmet. It, would, it wouldn't make no fucking sense like for me to walk in that bitch fully dressed and be like, oh, it's because I feel Bryce, like I'm take too, them fucking pads I'm too off. small on the field. Take them fucking pads off and let your nuts drop. Because nigga. if I'm being honest, nigga, I make fucking millions of dollars. I could give a so fuck. So what? I can nigga? give a fuck Niggas less. Niggas that make millions of dollars I, blow their fucking I, brains out every fucking I can, day. I can give a fuck less, but a nigga who don't make millions will be quicker to blow their fucking brains out than a nigga that do make millions because they broke as fuck. So <laughs> I would I would give a fuck that less about I would give a fuck hey, less about a nigga funny. that care about that me walking to the Hey, I'm sorry, yo. That shit not funny. Yeah, that I, shit not funny. I probably shouldn't have went there. I probably <laughs> shouldn't have went there, hot. but the shit just don't make sense to me. It, it makes a lot of sense. The nigga just need to let his nuts drop. And I'm sick and tired of the nigga fucking whispering on the mic too. You fucking lost because your inability to win the football game down the stretch, your inability to drop your nuts and make a, a, a make one of these throws that we were gassed up so much to believe that you could make. The nigga just stand on it. No, he don't. Well, uh, well I don't want to fucking hear. <laughs> well, nigga, I don't want to hear that bullshit well, if, for the next if, ten if fucking he, years. If he didn't come to the press conference, you would be bitching about that. Well, I rather, I rather, would, I rather him not come. You, you, I rather him not come to the press conference than have to sit here and look at this little nigga in his fucking pads and whispering in the mic. Cause it's cause it's always gonna be something. It's always gonna be something that's gonna bother that's gonna bother JJ. So regardless, I have to take. I have to be better down the stretch. I have to make like motherfucker. Put some bass in your voice, nigga. So so regardless, nigga, is like Michael Jackson. Yeah, like a pussy. So regardless, it's always gonna be a problem to JJ. Even if he didn't come to the fucking mic, then you will be bitching about that. When he do come to the mic and talk in his normal voice, you got a problem with that. When he do come to the mic with his fucking hokers on, you got a problem with that. When he do come to the mic with his pads on, you got a problem with that. I mean, damn. If I ain't have no if I ain't had no sense, I think you obsessed with the nigga. <laughs> like that shit is just crazy as fuck to me, honestly. But I mean I would just like for him to start carrying himself like a starting quarterback of an NFL franchise at some point or another. There's no I, we can turn on 31 other NFL quarterback interviews from this past week, and I guarantee you none of them are sitting in their fucking pads, A, and B, whispering in the fucking microphone when they're getting asked a question. I guarantee it. You sat there and watched the press conference with me in the car where I had to turn the shit up full black, like legitimately the max was 40, Turned all the way up in my iPhone, and I still can't hear what he's saying. Yeah, I've also that shows watched, a lack of confidence. I w- I've also watched other press conferences where he talks the same fucking amount. He talks the same fucking. No, he base doesn't. Because I had to turn. No, he did. I have to turn the shit up every fucking press conference he talks because I know the bitch talks off. We knew that coming in. That's the, one of the first things you said. What's so, I, I mean, I, pers- I, I mean, I see what, what where JJ's frustration is. It goes. I mean, football is as much f- mental as it is physical, and mentally, if my leader is like 
Charmin Ultra Soft. Like it's it, again, it's the same. It's the same concept as the coach being soft. If my fucking quarterback, my field general, is soft as fuck too, very soft spoken. That shit is just gonna like. It's like a disease, bro. It's just gonna spread through the fucking. Locker but we room. knew it from day one, and that's why. And that's why when you see him get stretched on the field, that's why when you see Andy Dalton damn near get instant CTE, ain't nobody sliding because everybody want to suck his dick for being such an oh so great leader. But when shit hit the fan, that soft spoken shit don't work. You dealing with grown ass men, well, dog. Well, that contradicts what you said because you, they ain't slide for that nigga. They didn't slide for who? They that leader slide. is Bryce Young. They didn't slide. Everybody has told they you that from the, they from didn't the slide. very beginning. They didn't slide the for... Captain pass they didn't, okay, they didn't slide for Bryce just like they didn't slide for Andy. Yeah, because their leader is Bryce Young. Everybody has assumed their leader to be Bryce Young. No, it, you, don't matter if Andy, it don't matter if Andy is on the field or not. Bryce is still your leader overall from an t- overall team perspective. You just so got on here and called these niggas bitches, but now all of a sudden they bitches because a nigga who just got in the NFL has made you a bitch. That don't even make sense, nigga. It, make, it makes it, a lot of sense. That, no, that makes you're, you're, you assume you no. assume you assume the personality personality of your leader. So you assume the personality of your all your bosses. That just makes you soft as fuck. Please, from a, please from a, say yes. That a, makes a, you soft from, as fuck. From a business from a business standpoint, absolutely. That that from shit. a business standpoint, if that nigga is a is is a a, 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 a private entity and he comes to ours, he comes to my business, and and we're talking business. I'm going to assume the personality of my boss if we talk in business. So everything that them niggas sit down in, in these meetings and drill and instill in me, I'm going to regurgitate and assume the same personality of my bosses and my leader. So yes. you just got on here and said yes. that when you was in high school, you slid for no, Houghton. No. Oh, no, nigga, listen. You said you slid for Houghton, all this other shit. Because Houghton a slide okay, too. Let, 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 me, let me talk. You said you slid for Houghton and all this other shit. But if you went and played for Bryce Young right now, you would be a bitch and bitch up and not slide for him. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, so that means you just soft as fuck. That, that's all that means. That means you been that way your whole fucking life. Because there's no way that you act a certain way your whole life and then you get around somebody else and just change up. That's not true. No, yeah, that's that, not true. That means you fucking that's soft. Not, that's that means, not true. That means niggas, you, you see that in niggas every single day. Yeah, and that means they fucking soft and not true to themselves, and I don't fuck with them type of niggas. So, yes, I do see it in niggas. <laughs> that shit, I mean, I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you what it is. I'm just telling you it don't make no sense. That sliding, them not sliding for Andy Dalton and them not sliding for Bryce because their leader is soft, that made no fucking sense. Cause that mean it makes them, a lot of sense. No, that means them niggas being soft. It makes a lot of sense. No, that mean they been soft. It, uh, so then you're going to make me go all the way through every single amount of game footage last year and show you on numerous occasions where niggas was sliding on shit. You're you going to have to. Okay. Okay. <laughs> That's no problem. Cool. Um, Going along the same conversation, I guess you could say to a certain degree, it is being rumored that the Carolina Panthers are eyeing um, a wide receiver and not only just a wide receiver, but a wide receiver of starting caliber. So the way we're going to do this, just so we can quickly wrap up, um, I would like to present the five names that have been presented by CBS. I want y'all to tell me if they fix our problem as a wide receiver group or not. Okay? It's only five names. Hollywood Brown, yes or no? Nope. Tavian? 
Nah. Okay. Darnell Mooney. Nope. Absolutely not. Hunter Renfro. Nope. Nah. KJ Osborne. Nope. Uh-uh. We said, we said we're looking for a number one, right? That's what. Yes, that's what they said, allegedly. Sterling Shepard. Nope. Mm-mm. All of these same, none of these wide receivers help the fucking problem that we have. I say it's just gonna be more of the same. Yeah, I mean, I like none of that shit helps anything. I take, I'd, st- I'd take Sterling Shepard and KJ Osborne. I would take, like, I, I would, I would take, take Hollywood before any of them. Yeah, I I, mean, if I knew the list was gonna be that bad, I would have said yes to Hollywood. Yeah, I mean, you would take those players, but do they fix your problem? That's two different questions, and no, they don't. They don't fix the problem that is being had with the fucking play calling. I think Hollywood adds a, another dynamic to the offense, though, a little bit of top-end speed that is severely lacking. Yeah, Shaw Smith added the same shit. Yeah, but Shaw Smith's hands are... DJ Chark is supposed to have been the one to add the same shit. So I don't necessarily think that it fixes any of that. Like, if they're not going to get that opportunity, if we're going to call 12 screen plays, then what the fuck is the point of them being on the field? We just going to throw them the screen ball and let them run up the field. Cool. I mean, I just don't think it fixed, like the type of play calling that we decide to go with. So T Higgins does. I mean, I just because feel like that's the name that I keep seeing. I know that you've mentioned that name numerous of times. Well, I feel so like T. Higgins does if you too. get a name like T Higgins, then you have no choice but to change the play calling around where T Higgins is getting the fucking ball. I think I was about to say I think T Higgins makes the passing attack a lot more respectable. Yeah. Because now you compare T Higgins with the Adam Thielen who still looks to be some halfway decent. That that does change the dynamic. Yeah. You don't have if you if you get T Higgins and continue to call that same shit that you're calling, then I mean that's just fucking. It's already been strike three for me. You just that's like strike ten. The nigga needs to be fucking gone because there's no way that you get T Higgins and still call that same type play calling. That doesn't even make sense. Would you take the chance on Chase Claypool and get him off the waiver wire? No, off the waiver wire, yes. <laughs> well, they I mean they're allegedly talking about clipping him sometime either this week or next. I don't even think that he's been at the 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 building the whole week up until this point. Oh yeah, I did see that. So and he's definitely not playing on Thursday. So if they do decide to cut him, that will be an option for you. You would be going up against no nobody else with the exception of Chicago. So you would be, you know, entitled to that that selection if that's what you put in for. Is that something that you would do? If not to bring him in for a cup of coffee. I mean it can't hurt. At this point, from what we've seen from the receiving core, it can't hurt. Now, Chase Claypool has looked, so, I mean, just fucking sorry. No <laughs> effort on blocks, no effort on routes, no. I, I I don't know what's going on in his head, but that boy ain't right. looked right for like a year and a half. Yeah, and I would say that you're just bringing him in to, he's going to eventually sit on the practice squad. Going to be my thought. I mean, I don't see no other reason why you're bringing him in. Yeah, but he does. He doesn't change life at all. Second to everything Tavian said, it seems like based off of that, he don't want to play football, or he just doesn't want to play football in Chicago. Well, did he not want to play at uh, Pittsburgh either? Because since he made that dumbass that statement, dumbass TikTok. Nah, since he made that dumbass TikTok when they yep. was uh, up winning and all that, it was all cute and shit, and he he was smelling himself. Ain't ain't looked right since. And then said he was the best wide receiver in the league. During the offseason. And when he said all of that shit, shit just started falling down. So, I'm, I, I don't see him doing anything. Pride coming before the fall. Yeah. So, I I mean, if you're going to – and like you said, what pieces do we have to trade? We don't have anything to fucking trade realistically. We yes, don't we have, do. And that's exactly where we're going next. You have something to trade. Brian Burns? 
you're not going to trade him for, for Chase Claypool. But in say, this situation, you would have to. I was about to say, you damn sure ain't traded him for nobody we named on that list. Well, who the fuck else you going to go get? Like not, I'm not saying Chase Claypool. I'm not saying that Brian Burns should be involved in any of those packages that I just rattled off. But, I mean, your best bet, as far as I'm concerned, for Brian Burns is to get is to go ahead and get him gone. Because yeah. he's not – I mean, Panthers fans, I hate to tell y'all, Brian Burns is not coming back. And I'm not saying this because I have no inside scoop. I'm not saying this because I've seen – I'm just telling y'all, I start to sense when niggas is gone because I've seen it a couple of times. I've seen it with Robbie Anderson. I've seen it with Christian McCaffrey. I've seen it with uh, Teddy Bridgewater, who ain't really never wanted to be here. But I've seen it on multiple occasions. And I'm telling y'all the same thing that I saw in those parties I'm starting to see in Brian Burns. You can just go look at the film, and I would never, actually, I'm not even going to say I would never, because I have on multiple occasions where I've challenged Brian Burns' will to win, his desire to win. What I saw Sunday wasn't that. That, to me, from Brian Burns was really a lack of effort, which in turn is telling me that he's mentally checked out. Because I, th- I think though he shut down the opportunity to revisit the contract negotiations and things of that nature, I think there were still conversations being had after that. And if you see how fed up Brian Burns was after the loss against Minnesota in the locker room, I think it's abundantly clear that he's fed up. No, nah, I would agree. I mean, his interview, he really looked like he just didn't – almost looked like he just didn't want to be there no more. And then yep. he's liking posts about the Panthers losing. About so, Frank Reich. Yes. More specifically about the play calling. So, I mean, everything is pointing to if anything doesn't drastically change, then I'm out. And, I mean, from where we're sitting, I don't see anything drastically changing with this season. I don't even think if anything drastically changes, he, st- he stays. Because when is the trade deadline? Week eight? Is that is that accurate? I have no idea. Sounds, I mean, I think it's about halfway through the season, so. October 31st. So that's what? That is week eight, correct? Is that right? We're in week five. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little uh, bit six, after week seven, eight. Thirty yeah. first. So two days after two the two day after week week eight. Yep. Yeah, I mean you're gonna lose well, actually you know what? I, I don't know. I'll I'll save my prediction for the preview again for Detroit. But the overwhelming majority thought is that you're gonna lose to Detroit and you're gonna get murdered by Miami. And with the way CJ Stroud is balling, I don't see how you beat Houston week eight. So you're looking at a potential 0-8 start, or, or excuse me, 0-7 start? I mean, I, I for me personally, I'm not going to sit here and, and waste my waste my talent. And to be honest, I mean, that's been the story with a lot of these guys. We saw it with Cam Newton, the way we wasted his talent. We've seen it with Luke Keekley, the way we wasted his talent. Now, given Luke Keekley and Cam Newton did both go to a Super Bowl, so that's more than Brian Burns and Christian Mac, uh, Christian McCaffrey can say. But we've seen this on we've seen this story on numerous occasions, and we've seen it play out on multiple occasions as well, where, you know, to to a certain degree, you you're hurt as a fan, 
because it's just like, damn, like we see you grow up and we, you know, we've grown with you and, you know, we bought your jersey and things of that nature. But at the same time, I mean, this shit is a business. It's a business at the end of the day. And I would I would have to go on record and say the Carolina Panthers, as well as Scott Fitterer, Dave Tepper in particular, the Carolina Panthers would be dumb as fuck to not be listening to offers for Brian Burns and to potentially not make a move um, for a first-round pick as well as, you know, a couple other third, maybe fourth-round picks as well in this year's draft as well as 2025. Because I'm, I'm telling y'all right now, I see it in his eyes, bro. It's over with. It's over with. When you have a guy, when you have a, a guy that we perceive to be a, a, a generational talent in Brian Burns requesting the amount of money that he is, for him to go out and only get a half tackle and assist, I, I, I just have a hard time believing that that's real. I have a hard time believing that's Brian Burns playing at 100% with 100% dedication to his team. I have, a hard, I have a hard time believing that. I really do. I do. I have a hard time believing that Brian Burns can't beat either one of the weak-ass tackles that the Minnesota Vikings have on their roster. I have a, a specifically one-on-one because I saw that on multiple occasions on Sunday as well. Now, a lot of y'all are going to want me to come on this podcast and, and, and demand XYZ from Brian Burns, which obviously when you make a statement like, I need more money when the team allegedly offers you 26 and a half, 27, 28, whatever the offer was, and, and you get the performance that we've seen from Brian Burns over the last two weeks, you're going to feel a way. But in that same breath, if the Carolina Panthers stabbed Brian Burns in the back the way I believe they did, I can't say that I blame them. And again, that's coming from the guy that has been extremely vocal about Brian Burns, his effort, and his will to win. So, I mean, get prepared for that. Get prepared for that and don't hold that against him. Because just know at the end of the day, like I said earlier in the podcast, this is the bed the Carolina Panthers made and this is what we have to lay in. Um... Injury update, well, I'll save that for you guys. Actually, Tavian, uh, Ter- Terrence and Tavian, y'all can touch on that on Thursday on the Instagram Live um, with the injury the injury update. Um, I know Jonathan Mingo was inactive. I know we saw Adam Thielen go down. He did come back, but definitely going to be wanting to keep an eye out on that. Also, Frankie Louvu, how his hip was able to hold up. Um, Dante Jackson, we saw him exit the game early. I want to say quarter number one. He left early as well, so... On Instagram Live every Thursday um, at 7 p.m. as well as Sunday directly after the game. Well, not directly after, maybe about 60 to, 60 to 90 minutes after the game. We do do Instagram Lives. Um, so we'll touch on that on Thursday during that uh, during that live. Um, just because at that time the press conference will have already been released where Frank Reich touches on the injuries that we have. Um, designation-wise, headed into week five against the Detroit Lions. Who was your player of the game? Uh, Sam Franklin. He had the only Dump. touchdown of the game. Um, So, yeah. I mean, wasn't really much to take from the game on the offensive side of the ball. 
Defense played great. Um, just left on the field too long, left out to dry, gave the offense multiple chances. And, yeah, Sam Franklin scored our only touchdown. So, he's my player of the game. I had an honorable mention, but. Who's your honorable mention? Uh, bro from San Francisco. Deshaun Jameson. Yeah. Yeah, him. Yeah. I, was, I mean, he got – he came in, no training camp with us, no nothing, and came in and got put on the best receiver in football and held him to under 100 yards. So with two touchdowns, but. Mm, yeah, but one of those touchdowns didn't come on him, I don't believe. Yeah, so. One of those – actually, no, I know for a fact one of those touchdowns didn't come on him. One of those touchdowns came from a, a – breakdown in in zone coverage. Um so yeah, I, I can't even I can't even put that on him. I yeah. can't even do that. I can't even do that. Um my player of the game is Etor Gross Matos. <laughs> Five tackles, I believe he had a sack. Um I told y'all earlier that he forced the, the uh, interception that Kirk Cousins threw going into halftime in the second quarter. Etor Gross Matos put on a clinic. He made big plays and big moments. When his number was called, he stepped up. He made plays. There was one one instance in the fourth quarter where his linebackers just simply didn't help him. But, I mean, he drove the damn – he drove his guy that he had a one-on-one with three yards in the backfield, and we just simply didn't fit and flow for the TFL. But Etor Grosmanos put on a clinic, and if you have time and you have NFL Plus, go watch the, the All-22 on him and when he was on the field. Because, I mean, my God. My God. Deshaun Jameson was going to get my joint, too. Then I watched Etor today, and I was just like, I mean, fuck. But he definitely deserves an honorable mention. Like you said, holding a player, a receiver of that caliber to the stat line that he was able to. And then when you take into account even the touchdown that, that Justin Jefferson did catch all over him, it was phenomenal coverage. It wasn't like he got burnt and he got did in. Nah, it wasn't that at all. It was just a beautifully thrown football by Kirk Cousins and a great catch by Justin Jefferson. So yeah, I mean Justin I Jefferson just give him credit. is just a better player. Yeah, yeah, honestly, so. it was just one of them moments. What was the best thing that you saw? Gosh, I mean, the best thing I saw was the defense continuing to put the offense in position to score points. They gave you your first touchdown for you and yeah. said, here, go play with the fucking league. And, I mean, obviously we didn't do it. Um, obviously, I, I'm not a fan of the defensive run game right now. Uh, but as far as just defense as a whole, like, that was the best thing that I saw. You go and put points on the board. Uh, you make Kirk Cousins struggle. Not a typical Kirk Cousins game. Um, you made it a very tough game for the Vikings. Your other side of the ball just didn't show up to help you out. So, I'm not mad at that. I would say for me, um, the best thing that I saw was Sam Franklin's uh, pick six. Obviously, you know, we he got national coverage last week for getting trucked in Seattle, damn near in the same spot that he caught the interception this week. Um, and then you look at, you know, the immediate pass in that particular moment with him getting that pass interference, which, you know, that was arguable. I mean, Jordan Addison didn't even have, you know, any gripe with the officials at all. I didn't think that it was a pass interference personally. Um, 
at the very most illegal contact, but whatever. Um, so he got that pass interference, faced adversity, made a big-time play, t- took the momentum from the Minnesota Vikings and put your, your team in the best position to win. So for me, that was the best best thing that I saw. And then, you know, as y'all know, if y'all do listen to the podcast on a regular basis, I'm a huge Sam, Sam Franklin fan, so I may be a little biased. But, I mean, <laughs> I'll be damned if we wasn't in that bitch rocking. <laughs> I'll be damned if we wasn't in that bitch rocking. About the best bright spot of the game. Yeah. I mean, to say the very least. Yeah. Worst thing you saw. I mean, I, I got to go back to – actually, no. The worst thing I saw was Miles Sanders. I mean, I, I need him to fuck out of the game. Like, he doesn't do anything good at this moment. No disrespect to you, Miles Sanders. I'm just calling it how I see it. You haven't been playing up to – the potential that we thought you could. You haven't been playing up to the hype that the coaches have given you in the offseason. And then it seems like you proceeded to – I'm not going to call you a liar because I don't know, but not tell the full truth about that groin injury. Because I, it's hard for me to believe that you go from what you look like in Philly, given they have a better offensive line, given they have a better team overall, better coaching – it's just hard for me to believe that you can go from that to only getting 19 yards in the game. Well, I just don't like that's hard for me to believe. So something's going on there, but that's probably the worst thing I saw. Not being able to get the run game together with Miles Sanders. And then even though you couldn't get the run game to go with Miles Sanders, you still didn't give enough touches to Chuba. Yeah. Um, for me personally, I would say the worst thing that I saw this week was the play calling. Um Anytime you have a quarterback that completes 26 or 32 passes for only 205 yards, that is a red flag in itself. And then when you look at the pass chart and you see 12 of those 26 completed passes were behind the line of scrimmage, that is a, a glaring red flag. That is an issue to me. That doesn't need to happen ever again. Really, it was just disgusting, the game plan that we had. Bryce was disgusted, I'm sure, Everybody that's watching this podcast or listening saw the viral moment of him throwing the pass to Terrace Marshall Jr. on third down, the screen pass on third and seven, where Terrace Marshall just got tripped by the turf that our owner refuses to, to take up and put actual natural grass in for. Um, so, yeah, I, I would say the play calling was probably the worst thing that I saw because that, to me, was just pathetic and, and, and embarrassing. And at some point, like I said two weeks ago, Frank Reich has to look himself in the mirror and take accountability and realize this shit is not working because of me. Now, whatever the play calling is, the reason why it is what it is, then, you know, that's a deeper, darker conversation. However, it needs to be addressed. Yeah. And for the life of me, I really just can't understand why Thomas Brown at this point in the season would not have an opportunity to call the plays for the playbook that he created. You're 0-4. You're staring 0-6 down. You're going to go into a bye, and then you're playing against two rookie quarterbacks that up until this point have outperformed your rookie quarterback. So you're looking at potentially starting the season at 0-8. I don't see why it would need to get to that point, especially when a large majority of these games has simply been lost off the premise of play calling and discipline. 
because that's something that we didn't touch on as much as I would have liked to. Actually, we didn't touch on it at all today. But the penalties at the untimely positions, at the untimely, you know, moments in the game just simply have to be alleviated. Because if they're not, then you're just going to continue to be the laughing stock of the NFL for years to come. Because that shit continues to shoot us in the foot. If you go back and watch the first half of the Minnesota game, I believe there was a drive where we had two or three very, very costly penalties in which we were driving and had the chance to, to put points on the board more than we did. So it's a problem, and it needs to be addressed. It does. Um, I think that's all I got. I'm, I'm, I think that's all I, I, that's all I got. Uh. Do you feel better? Was this therapeutic for you? Because when you text me and told me that you needed the ISO today, I was just like, oh, he about to air somebody. Yeah, I mean, I just needed to pretty much say what I've been trying to say the whole fucking season. It seemed like nobody been listening, including the nigga beside me. So, I mean, maybe after. You want to call me a bitch? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. That's crazy as hell. Maybe, <laughs> maybe after four games. And nothing has changed. Maybe y'all will listen now. I mean, it's so easy to deflect the blame on Bryce Young, deflect the blame on the quarterback play. But I just feel like people simply fail to acknowledge the mastermind behind it all, which is just really, really uh, – I don't want to challenge challenge y'all's character or brain and process and information <laughs> – I would just say y'all are uneducated, but yeah. Appreciate y'all tuning in.